Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Thursday Morning MV Pro Call. Today is Thursday, February 8th, and I'd like to welcome those of you that are here live, as well as those of you listening to this via recording, which, of course, you can do by subscribing to Motor Vitality on whatever podcast application you happen to use, or by visiting motorvitality.com, where you can listen to years and years and years' worth of archives. Um, a couple things real quick before we get started. Uh, I am definitely looking forward to seeing everybody. I, I hope you all are going to be there uh, in Orlando in three weeks. Please stop by our booth and uh, and say hello. If I've never met you in person, then we will have a booth there. Um, and, and, and if you want to learn more about the classes that we have and the different versions of the uh, that we're doing here at the training facility in Michigan, then I'd, I'd love to chat with you in more detail about that as well. But that's uh, coming up here in three weeks. It's kind of crazy. Um, but I uh, hope, hope to see everybody there. Um, we are sold out of classes in, in, until uh, the end of March, beginning of April, by the way. So if you are considering uh, coming to any of the installer training or the um, sales training that we have here at the facility, then please let us know because classes are selling out fast, and I expect them to be even more so uh, with the show so you know that we have coming up. So, so please let us know, and we'd love to be able to answer any questions that you have there. I um, wanted to apologize if any of you were looking for the recording for uh, last week. I have neglected to upload that to the podcast uh, platform yet. I will do that by the end of today, so you should see it up there. Uh, by tomorrow morning at the latest. Um, that was the call that we had with Mary Ann Metzger regarding uh, coliform bacteria, and it was actually a really good one. It's just been such a crazy week that I, I realized last night that, oh, crap, I forgot to upload that. So um, so I, I need to do that. So um, with that, I'm going to start the call off the way I do pretty much every week, which is by asking, is there anything anybody learned this last week that you wish you had known before? Anything that happened that's worthy of sharing with other professionals across the country or any questions we can answer for you, anything we can, we can help with. Do you have anything? So I know a couple of weeks ago we discussed the um, Consumer Reports article that came out regarding the um, water and water filtration, and, and they rated a lot of the, the point-of-use uh, pitchers and, and those types of things. The subsequent issue was on microplastics, and um, I thought, wow, that's two issues in a row. So I think that uh, next week we are going to go through and discuss the February issue of Consumer Reports and the microplastics article and talk about how that has an, how our industry has an impact on that. So if you would like to contribute to that conversation or, or read the article ahead of time, um, that was the February issue of, of Consumer Reports, and um, you can get that. Uh, you know, probably at any of your stands or whatever. I, I actually get my issue on uh, my, I have a Kindle Unlimited, and it's one of the free subscriptions that you get with the Kindle Unlimited subscription. So uh, so that's that's how I get mine. But if you take a look at that, then, uh, um, you know, you can contribute, but we'll kind of discuss that next week. That will be on the microplastics issue. So please join us for that. Um, and if nobody has, has anything else, then we'll jump straight into our topic today. And, and uh, what I wanted to, to discuss today, our topic is, it's, it's not your story. Okay, so 
We've talked about this a little bit in the past in various uh, – from kind of various angles, but I was having a conversation with – we had one of the classes that we had in this week was a group of three service and, and install technicians in the company that had sent them to us. We, we really focused on sales, okay, so taking – their knowledge, uh, all of them had the, the least amount of experience they had was about six years. Um, the other two had nine and 11 years um, of experience as they came here. So they knew how to install. They were really good. But we, so our folk, we took the focus on, on how to, um, you know, how to kind of convert their knowledge, uh, their experience, and and how to generate some sales out of that. And it was a pretty good class, but. The reason I decided to do this topic was because with at least one of them, it was it became clear that they really didn't believe that in in the in the value of their products. You know, they they definitely didn't like salespeople, the the people on the sales team, and I I find this very commonly right that and it's something that we work on. We've talked about this a lot on this call about the relationship between sales and service people and and. And one of the things that I I saw was that they really none of them were in a position to to spend the money on a system that uh, that their customers were paying you know four thousand plus for four thousand dollars plus for um, for just a you know one of their softeners is, was around that and and it it became clear to me that they just you know they would rather fix the system that they didn't believe that. Um, in most cases, people needed to spend that much money. That you know, and that was something that we really worked hard to overcome. And I see that in um, a lot of times with service technicians, where they want to, you know, it's it's like I can fix it for three hundred dollars. Why would I, why would I sell them a new one for four thousand um, dollars? And so it got me to thinking about all the reasons why that might be. You know, they're they're definitely making an assumption when they think that that the customers are going to think exactly as they do. You know, that they would rather fix it. They're they're service technicians. They're technically inclined. They know how to do that. I, I run into that quite a bit, and I appreciate that they have the concern for the customer that they don't want to, you know, kind of rip the customer off. But but my thought is, you know, my thought immediately goes to uh, every two years when Apple comes out with a new iPhone. And you see, you go to the mall to the Apple store and you see a line around the corner of people waiting for the doors to open. And one would assume most of them have perfectly good iPhones, just last year's version of it. But they're all waiting to get a brand new iPhone, the newest and the latest gadget. I think that's, that's one piece of evidence that shows that, that uh, you know, people are willing to spend the money to to have something more efficient and better and if you know if, if somebody's i don't know about you guys but anybody on this call been in the industry for longer than i don't know 15 years anybody been been doing this longer than 15 years yes so yeah. so who who was that so who who said that paul 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 has technology changed in the last 15 years have you seen <laughs> Have you seen more are, are water softeners or even reverse osmosis systems or iron filters has the technology improved or become more efficient in the last fifteen years since you've 
I mean, I know, well, you've been in the industry like 83 years, I think, but, um, so you certainly you seen... used the last time. Good. <laughs> well, you know, consistency, right? No, but, but no, even in the last 15 years and, you know, so sometimes you get a service call out there and you go out there and it's, yeah, the system's only 15 years and, and there's just a piece that's, that's broken and you can fix it. But, but is there a reason, a legitimate reason for somebody to consider and I'm not saying they have to, but is there a legitimate reason for somebody to consider improving or, or putting a, a better, uh, higher efficiency unit in? You know, Kelly, I'll tell you that I probably am guilty of just what you're saying, that if I erred over the years, it was being more conservative about spending my customers' money thinking that I was helping them and that you are correct. Not giving them the options is a disservice. As long as it doesn't come across like I'm trying to convince them to buy something, but simply saying, hey, you know what is out there in case you're unaware? I think it's perfectly, not just reasonable, but it makes sense to do that. See, and that's the exact approach. Okay, so I, I think of two, two, two stories, you know, when I kind of consider this. I, as you know, Paul, I drive my cars. When I own cars, I drive them until they no longer are capable of driving anymore. I, I love not having a car payment way more than I love having an, a brand new car. Not that I don't like driving a new car, but but I I just really enjoy not having a car payment. And so, um, you know, I, I the car before the one that I have now, you know, I've had two cars in the last almost 20 years, you know, since the, the last 16, 17 years. Um, but the car before the one I have now was a Ford Explorer and and I, um, before I gave that to my daughter when she turned 16, I had 230,000 miles on it. And, and at 190,000, uh, the transmission went out, which, you know, it's pretty typical for a car with that much mileage. But the transmission went out, and I took it in. And it was going to be three or $4,000 to put a new transmission in it. And I recall the, the mechanic asked me exactly that he said you know i mean the car looks like it's in it's in decent shape but at this many miles there's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to go wrong with it you know you might want to consider instead of putting the three or four thousand dollars into a new transmission you might want to consider you know selling the car for a couple you know three or four thousand dollars and taking that money and putting it towards a new one and I really appreciated, very much appreciated the the suggestion. Now, as it turns out, I, I went ahead and put the transmission in it because for me, I was going to give the vehicle to my daughter, and, and that was a perf- perfect first vehicle. I knew the history, I knew that I'd taken care of it, you know, had taken care of it for the time, and 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 I wasn't going to get a car as safe and reliable for for her for that amount of money. Um, and so, you know, it was essentially like buying a car for her for, for uh, um, you know, a couple thousand dollars. So for me, it made sense to go on and repair it. But I really appreciated the mechanic's approach exactly the way you just said it, Paul. He gave me the option, you know, something to consider. And, you know, and, and I did think about it, really, really did. You know, I thought, thought quite a bit about it. Um, on the other hand, I have also run across customers where uh, the service tech went out and did a repair, you know, six months before, and then we were back out doing another install, and they are really upset. You know, they were really upset because, um, and you know, it broke again within six months, and the service tech had not had the conversation with them that, 
they could have taken that money and put it into a new one with more efficient units. And, and so sometimes they find out later, you know, maybe a neighbor bought a new system and they saw all the, all the new features and they're like, why didn't they suggest that to me? You know, now why didn't they ask for it? But a lot of times the, this, the equipment we carry sometimes, you know, the stuff that we put in their homes is stuck down in a basement. Customers don't understand exactly what it is. They don't know to ask that we have something more efficient, you know, that's better. And so it really does become, I think, our responsibility. It's not our story, and that's the topic of today's call, right, is that we've got to spend more time asking what that customer wants and being the professional and, and suggesting to them what their options are. And those options are not always – just because you personally would not spend the money on a new one or you don't see the value in a new one when you have one that can be fixed for a couple hundred dollars doesn't mean that your customer doesn't want at least that option of doing that. Anybody else have experience with all of this stuff? I, I do. This is, this is Kevin from Reading, and it's my first time on the call, but um, this is so timely. It's incredible. <laughs> I think God put me on this call for a reason. But um, we had a situation just this past week that a customer um, called me, I'm the sales manager, to complain about my sales guy who was deceptive. She said, he's, he's, he's deceptive. And I said, what's going on? And she had a neutralizer that um, um, looked old. Uh, the test showed that her pH was way off. And um, the sales guy sold her a new neutralizer. Uh, it was financed, and that's a whole story um, with the finance company um, and the issue with canceling with them. But anyway, um, <clears throat> she later canceled the order because she had a guy out to fix the neutralizer for much less than she would have spent uh, with us for a new one. Yeah. And so um, I'm going to talk about this on my sales meeting Monday morning. And, um, you know, any suggestions, feedback is perfect timing for me. Um, but I heard you say, um, spend the time to explain... Ellie? Anybody out there? I'm still on. I, I think am. Yeah. Okay. I think you went blind. Yeah, I think all the rest of us are on here. Just not Kelly. So do we lose Kevin and Kelly? No, so I yeah I I dropped for a minute. That was interesting. So I'm sorry. I, I I don't know if Kevin was able to finish his his point or not. I don't think so. Yeah, um, Kevin, are you back by chance? Uh, that's that's that you, Kevin? Are you back? It's Kevin. Yeah, I, I I dropped at the same time as you, Kevin. I'm I'm sorry. Please please finish your point. I was actually really so. The last thing I heard was that the um, uh, I think you were going, you know, talking about the options, making sure you're giving the options, right? Well, yeah, I heard you say spend time explaining to the customer what their options are. I don't know how much you heard, but um, and I and, and I don't. That know was the last I thing I heard. <laughs> that was the last thing I heard. Any anybody else there? So. Um, so I, I, I it's, you know, that's kind of the the opposite 
but also an equal, I think equally as important because you run into salespeople that are not giving the repair option either, right? So, so that's that's the other end of the spectrum, and and I think that that's, I think you're exactly right, Kevin. In fact, I really appreciate you bringing that up because that's the the other end of the spectrum. It really, it's not your story. So the sales guy wants to go in there and just sell a new one, sell a new one, sell a new one. Well, that may not be the best the best option for the customer. We really, if we're going to be professionals, need to present the option to the customer legitimately. Now we can we can offer an opinion about what you know one thing. And customers ask that all the time. What would you do? And you can say, well, I, you know, I, I, if it were me, I might do this. You know, it, it, if it were my situation, the customer might take that advice. But if you're a salesperson and you're not offering, especially with a neutralizer, I mean, it very well could be with a neutralizer that, I mean, calcite's a sacrificial media. You know, it, it could be that the system just has not had calcite added to it in a while, and it needs to be, you know, new calcite needs to be added to it. I mean, that seems to be. You know, that, I mean, it, it, I don't know what the situation that was there too, but that that speaks to all of us learning as much as we can about the types of products that are out there, becoming experts about them, and being able to make a recommendation that uh, you know to a customer, or at least recommend different different solutions to a customer, and allowing them to to make an educated decision. That's that's the difference between. A, a professional and a and a salesperson. I mean, salespeople can, you know, can sway a person one way or the other. But, but man, the damage done in a situation like this, where they feel like they have not received all of the options, is, is um, yeah, it's it's hard to overcome sometimes. You know, and it, I don't think it necessarily means that a salesperson is unscrupulous or deceptive either. I mean, it, I think that it, you know, there's a lot of us out there that I, mean, I learned something yesterday. I one of the guys that was in. I, I mean, I felt so confident in what I was, what I was saying that I, I bet him 50 bucks. <laughs> we called and we called into the, the manufacturer's tech services. And as it turns out, I was right, but not the way I said I was right. So it was, it was something to do with, I can't wait to tell you about that one, Paul Friot, um, because I learned something that I, about a piece of equipment yeah. that I never knew existed. But um, cool. you know, and it was just a friendly little, little, uh, little bet. But you know, I bought him lunch and and everything after that because because I was wrong, you know. So I, it's not. And I've been doing this twenty six years, and and so we can all learn something new. So it's not like we're gonna know everything with every customer when we walk out to the house. But the more we strive to learn and get better about it, the more professional we are, and the more, um, the the more. Uh, uh, appropriate recommendations we can we can make to the customers right yeah uh, patty uh from florida just you know one one thing that i've been thinking a, a lot about listening to different speakers and, and just kind of thinking about my my tactics for the last three decades you know i like to geek out on people i like to talk about the technologies and what's available yeah. and all that kind of stuff and I've been listening to so many things lately that just keep pounding into my head the reminder that I need to listen to the customer and not yeah. want to launch into that whatever the solution is, you know, 90 yeah. seconds into the problem. And, you know, just as I get a little older, just trying to remember to have that restraint to let the customer really talk about it and ask them delving questions to really understand 
what it is that's motivating them, what they need, what they truly need, and, and not just want to do the coolest, geekiest solution every time. Just a thought. You know, Patty, one of the hardest lessons I ever learned um, when I was in sales, and it was, and I had been doing it a while too. I mean, I, you'd think that I would have known this already, but you know, so I wasn't brand new into this, but I, I had this customer and I went in to their house and it was a new house, but already they, they just so much iron staining and calcium. You could tell that their water was just horrible, you know, so I jumped in there and started talking about the softener that I sold and, and I was so proud of the features and, and everything that it did and it was going to meet their needs, you know, it was a twin tank system and, and it was going to, you know, it was going to meet their needs and, I, and they were interested. They were asking, so how does it do that? How does that work? And they, and I spent, I mean, I felt like I had just phenomenal rapport with these people, you know, it was excellent. And, and I, I just felt so convinced that they were, you know, they said, well, let us, let us give it some thought, you know, and think about it. And, and, uh, and then I, I kept calling them the week later, you know, two weeks later, and they, they weren't returning my calls. And it just really shocked me. I'm like, what did I do that, you know, made them not at least return my call? So one day I drove by and I saw them out in the yard and I stopped and, you know, I always carried, it was in a summer day and I always carried ice cold bottles of water in a cooler and, you know, for, you know, construction sites and things like that. And I, and I took him a bottle of water and I'm like, what'd you guys ever end up doing with your, with your water treatment? And they said, oh, oh, you know, I'm sorry about that. We should have probably called you back, but we, we, um, we're, we had a softener that was given. We already had a softener. We were so interested about the one that you carried and how it works. And we might get that one, you know, someday if this one breaks, but, but what we were really interested in was the drinking water system. And, you know, that's what we called you out for was a, was a reverse osmosis, and we ended up getting a system from somebody else. And I was kicking myself so bad because I went in there and I saw their problem. It was so clear to me that they needed a softener, which they did, but I never even asked the question to, to, to see if they, you know, what they were, what, why they were calling me out, you know. And, and, you know, the thing is I never got around to talking about the reverse osmosis. You know, we spent two hours and they were out of time and I felt like I had that great rapport. They were super nice people, but I never, never stopped to, I never spent a bit of that two hours talking about what they, what they needed. It was all about what I wanted to, you know, wanted to sell them. I mean, hard lesson learned, you know, so exactly to your point, we've got to spend more time. And, you know, I talk about that when we talk about doctors and other professionals and you know the cliff notes version of it is when you go to a doctor you know if, if the the doctor is spending from the moment you get there they're handing you paperwork with a clipboard and, and you know that has information on it including how you're going to pay for it uh, and then they here. diagnose you I'm getting a little background noise here you guys so um, you know, including how you're going to pay for it, and they're diagnosing you and you know and it, so if you you know if you're there for a procedure let's say you have a a, a, you know, five thousand dollar deductible on your insurance or whatever, right? So, um, or in my case, I've, I've got a seventy five hundred dollar deductible on my insurance. So, you know, the doctor, I spend, I go, you know, to the doctor. They, they diagnose, they ask questions, they look at me, and at the end, they recommend, you know, this procedure that's going to cost me my seventy five hundred dollar insurance deductible. If they spent ninety percent of the call telling me what I should do and only ten percent diagnosing me my first instinct is going to be to go seek a second opinion. You know, it's, that's, I didn't feel confident in their recommendation. You know, on the other hand, if they spend 90% asking questions and testing and diagnosing 
and only the last 5 or 10% giving me the recommendation, I'm feeling a lot more confident in their call. So it's the same thing with us. If we spend way more time, to your point, Patty, you know, telling them what, all about the great features and all the things that we're excited about with our equipment and everything else, and, and only 5 or 10% of the time asking them what they want and what they're interested in, of course they're going to seek a second opinion. You know, they're going to call another company out. It's the same thing. We have to emulate what other professionals do, but we also have to remember it's not our story. It's theirs. We, we, have, to find out what, we have to find out what their story is if we're going to make a customer-centric recommendation. You guys agree? So, so you know, um, there, the other part of that, and we've got the last, uh, you know, couple minutes here, you know, and, and I, I actually tell this story in, in my book, um, for those of you that have read that, but I had uh, the story of a 28-year-old grand, you know, sometimes it's hard, right? You're looking at this going, holy crap, what am I, what is wrong with these people? But I, I tell the story of the 28-year-old grandfather that I, that I had, um, it was one of the few house leads that I got. I pulled up this house. It was a mobile home. I go up to the door. The door has obviously been kicked in. It's held tight, you know, held together with a coat hanger. Um, I knock on the door. They, they reach around, unhook the coat hanger, um, and uh, the uh, and I, you know, I go in there, and there are dishes piled in the sink and everything else. And um, they, uh, the, you know, I'm testing the water, and the guy goes, "Oh, I want that." And the, the, it was the most expensive one we we sold. The 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 brand I sold at the time was 2,500 bucks. You know, it was like not an inexpensive one. And, and he's he uh, he goes, "That's the one I want. That's the one my parents have. That's the one I want." I'm looking at that. This water softener is worth more than your home. You know, I'm like, "You want to spend this money and fix your door?" And, and when I say the 28 year old grandfather. He and his girlfriend and his very pregnant 14-year-old daughter were all sitting around the table smoking like a chimney, you know, to the point where I wanted to get on my hands and knees and crawl. And I, you know, so I said, how do you want to pay for it? And they go, I want to finance it. Of course you do, right? So I, I call and the finance company wasn't even like, no, they were like, hell no. So I hang up the phone. I'm like, you know, is, is there any, any other options, anything we can do to, to help you with, you know, maybe you can rent, but that requires financing too. And he goes, no, I really want that one. Um, so he goes, hang on a minute, and he goes to the back room, and he comes back out with like $2,300 in cash, and he says, well, you take $2,300, and I'm, I'm thinking, you're going to piss off your meth dealer, <laughs> you know, but, but, I, it, but I mean, you know, what, do I, what did I do, do you think? You know, I, I took it. I took, the, I, I took the money, and we did the install, and, you know, I felt, I left there feeling dirty almost but again it's not my story right it's their story and and i don't know what their priorities were or what they were looking at or why he wanted that one so badly but it's not about there's nothing nothing illegal about what he was buying there's nothing wrong you know it's it's not my story it's theirs you know and so we have to sometimes it's more difficult than others to remember that but we've got to remember when we're in the home that that it's not about what we would do it's not about what we, what our interests are. It's about what they would do. Any final thoughts or comments in the last last minute we have here? The whole key to success is asking those questions mm -hmm. and finding out what they really want, what they need, and what's going to make them happy. Yeah. 
Yep. Without I agree. Answer, without the Q and A, you're dead in the water 99% of the time. Yeah, has to be. Kelly, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Kelly, one, yep. One of the key takeaways for me here is is the uh, talking about uh, learning the competitive equipment, learning as much as you can yeah. about what you're going to see in someone's home. I mean, you know, yeah. we're residential sales here, but uh, learning what you could potentially see in someone's home and learning a little bit more about the competitive equipment. So that was important to me. Yeah. So um, that's actually key. You know, how many people, and we've talked about this before on this call, but um, how many people in our industry have never read our own owner's manuals? I recommend not only reading your own owner's manuals and service manuals, but also if you can find them on, the, you know, on, I mean, everything is just about, you know, everywhere on, online. Find your competitor's manuals and read them too. Know what's out there so you're speaking intelligently and respectfully about what else is out there. So, all right, guys, I've got to teach a class uh, that starts right about now. So um, I appreciate everybody. Uh, we will talk to you next week if before. Those of you that are first time on the call, I really appreciate it. And uh, um, we'll talk to you next week if not before. Be safe, everybody. Thanks so much. Thanks. Have a great day.